What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renition, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scout and Devin Jackson. Devin, how you doing today, man? Pretty good, man. So Monday afternoon, uh, you know, getting things ready for the week. Um, been starting to ramp it up a little bit, you know, getting closer to a potential football season. A couple weeks out from August, uh, and then right around, right around the corner uh, will not be season openers because they are going to be probably canceled by majority of the conferences if they haven't already. Uh, so should we probably got another two months, if that, uh, in time for college football to restart. Yeah, man, the, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, you know, we haven't done this one in a while. And again, before we get into today's show, we have a very big show planned for you. We're doing our Big Ten preview. That's right. Step back to the DeLorean. Mike and Devin talking exclusively Big Ten today. But we're also joined by a very special guest at the end. We've got Andre Weingarten. He's the uh, basically the head, uh, one of the head um, ratings guys for Madden. So he's going to come on to talk about basically some of the uh, the ratings and how uh, like the ratings work and how scouting the college players from last year has led to their Madden ratings this year and how things like the Senior Bowl are incredibly helpful in the Combine for putting together players for Madden. So it's actually going to be, we're really excited to have him on. Uh, Andre and I go way back, so it was really nice to, to be able to set this one up. Uh, but before we get into any of that, Devin, I want to talk about two things that are bothering me. I haven't done this segment in a while. Mike's going on a bit of a rant. And it's not going to be about wearing a mask because, I mean, we've done that in every every single episode since all of this started. And again, apologies for uh, for last week's episode not airing. We had some tech issues. Uh, but that's not what this rant's going to be about. This rant is going to be about the dumb shit I'm seeing on Twitter right now, man. One, this Will Smith meme of entanglement. I don't know what started it. I don't care. I just don't want to see it every time I open Twitter. It's not even a good like meme photo that they're using. So, like, it, it's not really great. And no one says the word entanglement ever. It's not a thing. Don't make it a thing. Twitter, be better. Stop, try- Stop trying to make things that aren't funny. Memes that continue to not be funny. And two, stop making things cake, okay? Stop making things cake. I do not need to open up Twitter every day to see someone cutting into an iPhone. Oh, my God, it's, tr- it's secretly cake. You know, when you open up this podcast, secretly cake. <laughs> when you when you truly cut into this week's podcast, you're going to determine that it's actually just a cake. <laughs> Should have known, known, man. Known exactly, fun. exactly. All things lead to cake, which, as a fat guy, uh, is very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the news. There's a lot to go through. It obviously, you said uh, a lot of conferences are leaning towards. Um, just canceling non-conference games, which sucks for a number of different reasons. For one, some of the best rivalries you know, uh, in college football are non-conference rivalries. Georgia, Georgia Tech, um, USC, Notre Dame. We're not going to get, um, you know, Louisville versus Kentucky, which is a fun one. South Carolina versus Clemson. None of those games are going to happen. 
which really blows. Really like blows. It, it, just like, really, it just really, really sucks. Really sucks. And well, there's and one way you could have, you could have prevented this, people. You could have just worn a fucking mask. But well, there it goes again. I, 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 I tried to say before we we started that I wasn't gonna go on a wear a damn mask rant, and, and I just did one unintentionally. But just. It, it sucks, man. It sucks, it sucks man. so it sucks badly, and it's really disappointing. But it's also like, you know, it sucks for some of the, the players that needed big-time opponents that maybe wouldn't get them in non-conference games. Looking at Trey Lance. North Dakota State was supposed to open the season up against uh, up against Oregon. Yeah, everybody was excited for that one. Um I think that was USC probably Alabama. Even... We would have seen him on Ross St. Brown up against Patrick Sertain. Yeah, and he he went to Twitter and said, you know, you know, he wished that they could have got a piece of Bama. He wants Bama, but we all know how that goes in past years. But anyway, yeah, never say um, you want Bama. You don't want the smoke of Bama. Yeah, you you don't want that for yourself. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's depressing, uh, especially from a scouting perspective. You wanted to see Trey Lance go against Oregon. Uh, Keaton Slovis and uh, Amron St. Brown, uh, you know, go against, of course, Bama secondary. Uh, but you also wanted to see, you know, some of these smaller teams go against these big opponents. And uh, from a financial per- per- perspective, you know, that's going to be a huge loss for some of these teams that get huge paydays from these big schools to to travel there and, and play them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That That's... That might cripple some of these athletic departments, and you might see some more major cuts. I mean, Stanford uh, made some major cuts to some uh, some of their sports programs. So, seems like other teams will be on the hook next to figure out which ones will be cutting some of their, uh, I guess you could say, luxury programs. Not necessarily luxury, but programs that you know aren't making the money, which sucks. Because a lot of those student athletes depend on that money to to go to these schools. So, what are they going to do now? You know. So it's it's a it's a flux situation all around. Um, but we'll see. Uh, seems like we might get closer and closer to having spring college football season. If we're being honest, um, I don't I don't feel real confident about if the season's even going to happen right now. Me neither. Uh, I understand I understand the financial repercussions and whatnot, but. It's really looking bad right now, um, and it always starts with the the games that are in conference, and it really takes a team to really get, you know, corona, like have like half the team gets corona, and well, for a couple of days before the game, five five to ten stars get corona. What are you gonna do next? You know, so then it's, it might be a really sticky situation if it comes down to September. Yeah, man, like this is. It, it we're getting closer and closer to just not having a college football season, which is even more depressing. And it and it's it it's sad. It really is because it it, it could have easily been avoidable. But unfortunately, everybody had to make a political statement out of something that shouldn't really be political. And it happens up here in Canada too. And. I'm not just, uh, and I know that there are some that are probably going to listen to this and go that the Canadian's up on his high horse saying it's better than the States. It's not. It's not. Like, yeah, per capita, we're, like, we haven't we haven't declined. We're just staying kind of even, but we're not seeing, like, massive spikes. But we still have people, 
you know, I had a coworker the other day tell me that, that, that COVID doesn't actually exist and I wanted to throw him out a drive through window. Because he should be smarter than that. But it's just, it's so disappointing. And I, 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 I want there to be football so bad, man. I really do. But I, I want it to be safe for the kid, you know, for the players to be able to play. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want kids that are, you know, a couple years younger than us really risking the, their act, their day to day and their long term safety to do this. They're already. <clears throat> Excuse me, playing one of the most violent sports on the planet. Yeah, and they're going to be <clears throat> isolated from their family for a large portion of the season, which is very, very. Uh, that's going to be hard, man. Uh, especially for teams that, I at this point, like, are they going to have a college football playoff? You know, makes you wonder, like, long term, what's going to happen? They already can't play out of conference games. And they're going to have to travel for bowl games. Do they limit the amount of bowl games that are had? You know, it's there's still so much in the air that it makes it feel like they're not. It doesn't seem like the NCAA is actively trying to figure out alternatives and figure out what to do. They're basically waiting for one conference to announce something. Literally, the Big Ten announced it. Then days later, Pac-12 ensued. SEC, you know. So it seems like one conference has to make a decision and then everyone else will follow suit. So say like the big 10 decides, you know what, we're not going to have football this season. Then everybody else is just going to follow, you know? So it's come to a point where there's really no active leadership. And I mean, the NCAA, they, they have their own narrative to push, which we'll get to in, in just a minute <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of a, a certain transfer. But, you know, well, why don't we talk about that right now? Um, obviously, uh, one of the, the transfers that we were waiting to find out in terms of immediate eligibility was JT Daniels. And about an hour and a half before we started recording, it was announced that he's been given immediate eligibility. For what and, reason? <laughs> right? Like, all right, hang on. So if you really want to break this down, it came out that one of the reasons that... that uh, Justin Fields was given immediate eligibility when he transferred was because there was some racist shit going on at Georgia, apparently. That was the reason he used. So the NCAA gave him the immediate eligibility. What the hell happened to JT Daniels other than he got beat up by Keaton Slovis? My bet, not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. So now he's going to be immediately eligible. He's going to be competing with Jamie Newman, who is also a transfer st- <laughs> uh, player that is draft eligible this year. You have two draft eligible quarterbacks transferring to Georgia in the same year, which is, hmm, did I not say JT Daniels should have picked a school that where he would have been guaranteed a starter spot? Like, I don't know, Purdue, like I had said for months. But that's not what I'm going to bitch about. What I am going to bitch about is how the hell JT Daniels gets immediate eligibility because he's not good enough to beat out Keaton Slovis. But yet, there was that player for Virginia Tech who transferred to Coastal Carolina or Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech. I can't remember the details of which one he transferred from to which one he transferred to because he wanted to be closer to a you know to a sick family member. And the NCAA went, ah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And that was essentially um, what they said. Honestly, I think I think it might have been an Illinois player 
that uh, maybe I, the the NCAA does so much shit that it in yeah, theory it's... that you lose track after a while. Yeah, it, I mean they do a lot of dumb stuff, but yeah, it was Luke Ford. I think he was like a tight end or something. From yeah, Illinois. And he wanted to transfer to go back home to take like be close to his family that was sick, and they didn't even allow him to be transferred and play immediately. So it's like it's such a flawed system. Like if you don't, I guess if you don't have the right people around the situation, you're not going to get immediate transfer. So nope. I bet as soon as these players enter the transfer portal, they contact someone and they get them to play immediately. Yep. Like, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Now, one last bit of news, because like we said, guys, there was a lot we had to cover. There's a big one. It's not it's not draft related. Well, it kind of is. It's it's NFL related. We all knew we were gonna have to talk about it. I'll stand no more. I'll stand corrected on that because I said I thought they weren't going to change it. Uh, I yeah. said so too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Washington Redskins are will be changing their name. They said originally they're going to announce it today, but it looks like they're not going to. No, they they were announcing that they were going to retire the name of, today. Of that was that was what the, was was leaked last night. I got confused too, um, but yeah, um, I have for a long time thought that. You know, the Redskins owner, Dan Snyder, was never going to change the name. He had been so vehement for so many years, and all it took was a civil rights you know, you know, movement of 2020, a, a global pandemic, and then FedEx and Nike just trying to pull all of the money. And sure enough, when there's billions of dollars at stake, that was finally the straw for Daniel Snyder to actually do something about it. Listen, it's an offensive name, and... I understand that it upsets people, and some people honestly don't care. I'm somewhere in between. I don't want racist names, you know, in my sports, in general, just because I think that maybe we should avoid race as a mascot, just to, as a as a concept. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm amazed that it actually happened. I I was vehement that. When this all started, it was going to be the same thing that they've heard over and over again, and that he'd come out and say that he wasn't going to change the name. Sure enough, it actually happened. Uh, some of the names that are being tossed around uh, truly suck. Um, I just want to put that out there. The Washington Warriors doesn't flow, and if you say that you're a Warriors fan, everyone's going to think Golden State. Pretty much. No one is gonna say that this is that that they're a Warriors fan and gonna go ah the football team in Washington. Nope. Um, I like the idea of the Red Tails because uh, you can keep like the HTTR. I like the Red Wolves. If you, I mean, our guy Carter Carter Donick put out a great article uh, the other day um, about basically breaking down ten options for. Um, uh, for the name change, including uh, Miami of Ohio, who were also the Miami of Ohio Redskins for the longest time, and changed to the Redhawks. So, um, you know, go check that out. Uh, our guy Carter put a, always puts a lot of research into his articles. Uh, but we've rambled a lot for the news. <laughs> like, a lot. We're pushing 15 minutes already. Um, so, the main event, kind of, for us, 
is let's talk about the Big Ten, man, because obviously we, we're very familiar with the conference. We had to cover it last year. We had to sit through some really, really boring football, and what sucks about the summer scouting is I've had to go back and watch some of those games a second time, and I didn't enjoy them the first time. Um, but let's talk about kind of the way that we've been doing it for a lot of our conference previews. We'll start at the top. You know, in terms of like the the you know the contenders, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. Uh, the good thing about the Big Ten is that um, well, there are certain schools that just don't have anyone, so we probably won't be talking about them. <clears throat> Rutgers, <clears throat> Maryland, Michigan State. <laughs> There's actually sure, quite a few. I'm sure Michigan State will have someone. I think they have like <laughs> Antoine Simmons, a linebacker. But... That's like all. That's like all I've gotten from them. All right, so yeah. why don't we start with? Um, with, I think, the strongest team in the conference. And our good friend H- Haley McGoldrick is probably going to love that we're going to open with them. Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, obviously at the top, you got uh, Justin Fields, of course. Top 10 pick, uh, more than likely. Sean Wade, top 10 to 15 pick, potentially. Uh, we know a lot about them. We watched pretty much all their games last year. So we know, we know a lot about Justin Fields, of course. We know a lot about Sean Wade. Uh, we thought we thought he could have gone first round last year if he, uh, if yep. he went when the 2020 NFL draft this year this past year uh, for sure would have been taken over um, what's his name the oh, uh, uh, David Damon Arnett. Arnett yeah for he sure. was he sucked man I'm that, sorry I don't, that, he had fanfare and I don't know why I think Sean Wade would have been the Raiders pick if he came out um, yeah so we know about those couple guys. Uh, Wyatt Davis, I've been seeing him get kind of a lot of traction uh, on the offensive line. Uh, Chris Olave, he's getting some traction as well. Uh, both both really good players. House always has a lot of good players. Uh, Baron Browning is a name I've seen a lot um, this summer. So a lot of people are studying him. Uh, I had to go back and look a little bit of his game. I like him. I think right now, second, third round pick at this point. Uh, honestly, I have him about the same right now as I had Malik Harrison, like in that, that second or third round range. Um, I think they're both downhill linebackers, come downhill, but coverage-wise, both of them kind of lack in that department. Um, trying to think of other players that, that jump off the list. Let, let, um, me, let, me, uh, let me go for a couple more while you're thinking. Um, the offensive line. Uh, we saw last year Jonah Jackson. Uh, neither one of us was really a big fan of him. Uh, they have another kind of bad offensive lineman this year. That's Thayer Munford. Um, he just he's he's sucked at the beginning of the year. Kind of picked it up towards the end of the year, but his consistency is is bad. Probably gonna have to switch inside. More of a day three pick. But the other two, man, you look at their center and uh, and guard combo of. Uh, Wyatt Davis, who uh, I believe his grandfather is actually in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he's he's really good. The kid is just basically a phone booth onto himself. Um, 6'4", 3'10", great movement skills, pass block, run block, doesn't really matter, dominates you on both. Uh, I have him as my second-rated uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, he's a top, what is he... Top 25 player in the class, if you check my big board, which released today on, uh, you know, on bluechipscouting.com, there's that plug. Um, 
And then they've also got their center, Josh Myers. Again, really probably if the best center... Um, actually, I was going to say the best center outside of Creed Humphrey, but there's another center we're going to talk about in a little bit that I think could challenge that. Uh, Josh Myers, probably if he came out last year, would have been in that kind of next center after um, uh, Cesar Ruiz. I think I like him a little bit more than I liked uh, Lloyd Cushenberry coming out of last year. Really think that he's probably someone that's going to be taken in the like, top 50 to 60 picks. So, again, really good. Uh, they've got, shocker, more edge rushers coming out this year. Uh, I, have, I haven't gotten to watch either of them. Um, let's see. Hang on. I've just got to flip to the right page here. Uh, Tyreek Smith. Uh, he's a junior, 6'4", 267. Um, they're, yeah, they've actually got a couple of guys both named Tyreek. they got Tyreek Smith, uh, the edge rusher, and they've got a 6'2 redshirt sophomore outside uh, corner in Tyreek Johnson, uh, who, again, I haven't watched, but I'm intrigued to see what happens uh, with that secondary after losing all those guys. Uh, yeah, shocker, Ohio State still loaded. Oh, <laughs> Uh, hang on, I just got, I, I, just, you keep going, I'm just muting my mic for a second. Gotcha, second. gotcha. Uh, yeah, You so, can cut that. Yeah, yeah, definitely want to see how the secondary is going to do, uh, without those top guys. Um, Sean Wade, obviously, is going to be the top pick, uh, out of that secondary, but it'll be interesting to see how they progress over the season. Um, I think that secondary might struggle in the first couple weeks, to be honest. But then again, you know, the pass rush... Uh, you know, their front seven is still pretty loaded, so they might be able to, you know, scrape out, you know, wins early in the season. But that secondary is really going to be tested later in the season, um, especially on, with only conference games. There's going to be some tough opponents for Ohio State this year. Uh, Penn State is always at the top of the list in terms of tough opponents. We don't know where we're going to get out of Michigan uh, this year, to be honest. Uh, it, that's pretty much in question to, to figure out you know, who they're going to play, you know, how they're going to play, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't think Nebraska gets any better. To be honest, uh, passing-wise, the only team that looks threatening uh, that they're going to play is Penn State, which is sad. Um, <laughs> I just looked at their conference schedule. They literally play Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, Nebraska, Indiana, Maryland, Illinois, and Michigan. That's 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 sad. That is a sad schedule if I ever seen one. Yeah, Ohio State. Uh, they are truly just kind of miles ahead of everyone else in that conference. It's it's kind of it is kind of sad, like you said. Um, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be facing a lot of competition. Um, I don't know about you. I think the second best team in terms of talent is probably Penn State. Yeah, um, they have a lot of uh, kind of guys that will probably go in the second round. Um, and there's of, one that's probably going in round one. Well, yeah, of course, Pat Fryermuth, and well, maybe Pat Fryermuth, but Michael Parsons, uh, top five, obviously. Um, I don't think that should be a debate. I think he's a top five player in this class. Um, any list that I see. Without him in the top five, uh, I kind of question it. Only because he's just so far ahead 
like other linebacker prospects. I, I know Dylan Moses is getting a lot of love, but in terms of um, just being able to do so many things, he was um, recruited as a pass rusher. Was probably going to be an edge guy. Could probably still be an edge guy with his speed and ability. And the, the scary thing is he hasn't even tapped into all of his potential yet. You know, he's still a player that's still growing and still learning the position. There's plays where he basically just outruns linemen to make plays. And that's not always going to work at the next level, obviously. So that's something that he's going to need to improve and become more consistent. Um, but you can see he's had almost a couple interceptions. He can definitely get to his depth in terms of pass drops. He's just a do-it-all player. Um, he should be a top five to ten pick in the 2021 draft, I think. Um, of course, barring any injury or anything like that. But I think right now he's he's got to be in the top ten somewhere. Um, Dude, he's, he, he's my highest-rated defensive player. He is the only the only guys ahead of him on my big board are Penny Sewell and Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, he, he is that valuable to that defense. Um, he he's just he just does it all for him. So I'm really excited about him and, and getting to cover him another season, regardless if there's a season or not. Um, it's going to be fun continuing to dive into his tape because I I knew after that Michigan game, man, he was special. You know that Michigan game really caught my eye for him. Um, and it really showed me that, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be a top pick in the 2021 class. But uh, Fryermuth, uh, he's my tight end one. Uh, I really like Fryermuth. I've, I've liked him since last year. Really good guy. I got to interview him a few times uh, with the job, of course. Very humble, very, uh, you know, a, a guy that wants to get better. And part of the reason he came back, he wanted to be Ohio State. And he wants to win a conference championship. And if they're going to be Ohio State, he's gonna, he's got to be a big reason why. Um, but yeah, he he's, he's he can do it all: lock, pass. I mean, not pass, but catch. Um, you know, make defenders miss. But I think the the one player that uh, a lot of people are starting to take notice is Journey Brown. Oh, let's talk about Journey Brown. Let's just talk about Jordy Brown. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start about that with that play against Memphis where he made an entire team his bitch? I mean, both him and Fryermuth did this did did that in the Memphis <laughs> game, if we're being honest. But yeah, he yeah. he broke like five, six tackles. That's the one play. I think that's one of the defining plays. Of, of all the running back prospects this season, outside of like Najee Harris jumping over people, I think that's probably was one of the wildest plays I've seen this year in the offseason. Yeah. He, um, yeah, that was, that was some, that was some great ass whooping he handed out to that defense. Uh, he just ran through like a Mack truck through a stick of butter, just ran through them. Uh, I love his, his play speed. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to, to see another year of him because we were watching them last year and it wasn't until like midway through the season, he finally established himself as the lead back. Yeah, so basically, they have Ricky Slade, who transferred to Old Dominion now, but he was like the returner, you know, the guy that was supposed to, to be the bell cow, et cetera, et cetera, like a Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley type role. But throughout the season, he he went down, he moved down the depth chart. He, he was pretty much the third back. 
after, uh, you know, Journey Brown started to emerge and then uh, Noah Kane. I think that's going to be another running back we're going to be talking about next summer uh, for Penn State. He He's really kind of emerged in that Iowa game. Pretty much put the team on his back to finish the game. Uh, but, yeah, Journey Brown pretty much took over the second half of the season. And uh, against Ohio State, he had a, bit, a pretty beast run. Um, and then, of course, the game against Memphis, you know, he really put put the, uh, the college football world on notice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about his progression, how he continues to grow as a back. Obviously, you want to see him more in a receiving game. Um, but he can run between the tackles and – um, he, he has that breakaway speed. You, you love to see in the back. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, he's, he's a good one. Um, I really think that with a good season, uh, well, I already have him as my RB four. I yeah, think same. that he's a top, he, he's a top 50 player in this class to me. For sure. A uh, couple more guys and then we'll move on Two edge rushers. Uh, Shaka Tony. I've liked him since last year. Um, I think that he needs to continue to progress, continue to, to grow, but I think he's uh, a second to third round player. Uh, still needs some development, still uh, still kind of raw as a prospect. And then Jason Owe, I've been seeing get a ton, a ton of uh, ton of love and ton of credit. L- Let me tell you about these guys, man. Let me tell because they're both top fifty on my board. All right, they're both top fifty. I love these two. Uh, yeah, Shaka Tony. Um, I would say he's very much kind of like, um, like Yitor Gross Matos last year in that coming into the year, everyone was kind of like, well, is Gross Matos going to put it all together? Is he a little bit too raw? Like I have the same feelings watching Shaka Tony last year as I did watching the sophomore tape for Yitor Gross Matos the year, like this, the year before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So I, I feel like he definitely can take kind of take that next step. This edge class is wide open. Absolutely wide open. Like, even the top guy for me, Gregory Russo, has a lot of room, you know, to, to grow and is winning. And we'll, we'll talk about him more when we talk about the ACC. Um, is that, like, there's no clear-cut consensus number one guy. People can say there is. There isn't. It's an absolute crapshoot. Yeah, but, yeah. At this point, you can't really be mad at people where they rank the edge class because oh, no. all of them have inconsistencies. All of them have their downfalls. All of them are pretty raw in terms of uh, build, makeup, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the edge class going into last year. I mean, Chase Young, we knew he was a, a name to watch, but we didn't expect him to explode on the scene. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then he made his presence known immediately. But, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting edge class. The Big Ten is leading the way, once again, in terms of volume of edge class, in my opinion. But the ACC does have some guys now. Uh, I know they got yeah, a couple guys we'll in Miami. We'll talk about them. A couple guys from Pitt. Uh, I've been seeing a lot about. Uh, got a couple guys from Duke. So, they have some guys let down me, there. Let me, let me tell you about the dude where I would not be surprised if he just has an absolute terror of a season and becomes edge one, and that's Jason Oway, man. This dude is 6'6", like 255, 260, and there are reports he could run in the four threes, or or like, you know, like high four four, like 
insanely fast. Should not be humanly possible fast, okay? We're talking about a dude, like, Isaiah Simmons ran, what, like, 4.38 at, like, 6.4 and 2.30 or something like that, right? Yeah. We're talking about that type of speed on a dude that is listed at 2.57. That shouldn't be possible. Yeah, and the crazy thing was, that like, terrifying. he was sharing snaps with Shaka Tony, Yeter, yeah. and now he's going to have a chance to, to play pretty much every down, so it'll be interesting to see how he emerges. And he dominated when he was in. He kind of gives me that vibe when I was, like, watching AJ Epineza, like, oh my god, this dude was so dominant as a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. Just imagine him as an every down player. And we saw Epineza have his ups and downs. I really, really want Jason Owe to just go and just kick some major ass next year. Yeah, I think it's kind of a different situation, though, because Owe's a freak of nature. No disrespect. <laughs> Epineza to... wasn't, no, wasn't no freak of nature. No disrespect to Epineza. He's still a very good player and prospect, but he is not running as fast and has that, no. that fast get off like Owe does. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a terrifying sight to see. Um, I think next in terms of like the hierarchy is probably Michigan. They don't really have much, but they have enough guys that we can talk about. Obviously, they've got um, uh, I always get their Bell and the receiver Ronnie Bell confused. Ronnie Bell. Um, I'm interested to see what how he plays this year. Um, maybe with some more competent quarterback play and not having Shea Patterson, it'll help. Um, I just. I don't know, man. He, he gives me second, third round slot vibes, like slot receiver vibes. Um, I haven't really dug into his tape too much, but, I mean, this is a loaded wide receiver class. Yeah, I took a look at him earlier uh, in kind of the process. A lot of he, – he he just, like, he's not real big, but he's shifty. He can, he can create separation. I don't think he's going to be an outside receiver. I think he he becomes a slot guy in in, in the NFL and kind of really owns the the middle of the field. Um, he does, he's, he ran a lot of crossers, a lot of slants, uh, bubble routes, um, screens. Of course, Michigan's quarterback play really didn't help. Uh, we didn't even talk about that. Shea Harrison being released for the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, Ronnie Bell. <laughs> oh, there's a joke in there somewhere that I want to make, but I'm not going to. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Ronnie Bell, I think he, he's going to be a slot receiver, probably going to be in, a, like, third tier in terms of guys in, in the receiving class, uh, maybe fourth. I don't think he's going to jump up draft boards. Uh, nothing really screams first round to me in terms of his game. Uh, someone that really intrigues me, though, is Nico Collins, the receiver from Michigan. I think that he has some – Late first, early second round vibes, in my opinion. Uh, big receiver. I think he's like 6'4", 225, 230. Uh, can really go up and get the ball. In the games that Shea Patterson actually played well, uh, he got Nico Collins the ball. And he can make things happen. He doesn't really have huge breakaway speed. I, I see him running a 4'5", 4'6". But I think he could be um, a reliable target for whoever plays quarterback for Michigan. And... Uh, I want to see him kind of grow as a receiver, continue to create separation, but he can box out players pretty much. He, in jump ball situation, he can box out players. Uh, slants, he, he can take slants to the house. 
but like I said, he doesn't have that crazy breakaway speed. But in terms of offensive guys like skill positions, I think those are kind of the two guys to highlight. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, I think he's only a sophomore this year. Let, let me so. let me talk about their best offense, their best offensive player, because he's not going to get a lot of credit because he's on the offensive line. But it's Jalen Mayfield, man. Uh, this was this is their only returning starter from last year on the offensive line. Um, so. He's going to be moving over to left tackle, it looks like, uh, this year. Taking over for John Runyon Jr. Um, you know, he's his consistency needs work. All right, his anchor sometimes is, like, top-notch. Sometimes he's just way too heavy up top. Or, you know, uh, like, his balance is, is a little off. He's more of a prospect than, a, than like, a, a, a complete player right now. But the upside for him is just really, really high. I have him as my third-ranked offensive tackle. Got him sitting at like a top twenty player again. Kind of that, like you know, the the baseline is really is really solid. I think even with a down year, he's probably like a round two-ish type player. He was by far, other than Caesar Ruiz, their best offensive lineman last year. Um, and I mean, you know me, we both liked Ben Bredesen too, and he was probably their third best. He, there was a decent gap. Um, yeah, he just, it's about putting it all together and obviously we'll have to see how he, how he projects that at his new position. That to me is Michigan's, well, I think he's their best overall player. Um, let me tell you about their most fun. Cam McGrone. Yeah, you knew I was going to go with Cam McGrone. I love Cam, Cam McGrone. For those who don't know, uh, he started midway through last year. It actually took the Wisconsin ass whooping that was handed out to Michigan to get the coaching staff to realize that Cam McGrone deserved to be a full-time starter. Um, and he does a bit of everything. He plays middle linebacker for them. Uh, he can run a bit sideline to sideline. If I remember correctly, hang on, let me just check this. In terms of his size... Uh, where is he? All right, so he's 6'1", 230, so he's kind of average-sized, new-age linebacker. Um, he's got, he's got all the tools, man. He's fast, sh- uh, you know, can shed blocks, uh, really high football IQ. The one drawback on him so far is 10 career starts, and sometimes he can get, like, a little too anxious to make a play, and it causes him to get pulled out of the play. Like, quarterbacks can look him off just because he's really focused and trying to make that play. And, and it, ends up, it ends up taking him way out, way out and it leaves a glaring, leaves a glaring hole. hole. However, when he's, when he's on, he's a house of fire, man. Like, he's the best linebacker in the, in the conference that isn't named Micah Parsons. For sure. Uh, I saw flashes from him last year. Uh, I want to say the Iowa game, he had a pretty good game um, in terms of making the right reads and, and being there and, and making some, some huge tackles for loss, being there in the hole. That's kind of the one game in my mind when I hear the name, that's kind of why I think of that game, uh, maybe the Maryland game, some of the other games that he played in as well. Uh, but yeah, him uh, and then Quiddy Pay is a, another guy that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, he had a really good game against Iowa. He, he uh, That's who was beating Allery Jackson's ass. <laughs> in the- well, the guy that was beat, the guy that was beating Tr- uh, Tristan Wirth's ass is Aiden hit is Aiden Hutchinson, who kind of has like a poor man's Rayshon Gary to his game. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, 
I saw Quiddy pay that game, you know, someone to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't expect him to, to be, you know, a, a top edge guy, but I think he, he's going to be, make a respectable name for himself. Uh, probably day two guy um, at this point, but Michigan always has those, those edge and linebackers. That's one thing you can count on the DBs. Not so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. They, they have Ambry, they have Ambry Thomas who, He's he's okay. He's just he's nothing to write home about. One thing I, I I do know that we missed out when we were talking about Ohio State is that they have two draft eligible running backs that are gonna destroy shit this year, in uh, in Trey Sermon and Master Teague. I don't know how we oh, we just glanced over the fact that Ohio State is. I think we just kind of got fatigued from just like yeah we know they're gonna kick the shit out of everyone. So and I apologize for the language. We're getting amped up. We're just excited. Uh, to kind of be back talking about, we got some old school big shot energy right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and then, oh man, we're about to get to the end of the teams. But uh, yeah. So I, I was thinking about Trey Sermon. I forgot to mention him when I was kind of going my soliloquy. Uh, I, I think that both of them are gonna run over a lot of the Michigan players this year. Let's be honest. Probably. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I looked at their schedule just now. They're. The first half of the schedule is pretty cupcake-ish, for being honest. Huh? Were we were we saying that about them last year? Yeah. My weekly rankings that in your weekly previews that you had yeah. to do. Oh. Yeah, those are rough. Uh, yeah. anyway, we're past that now. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So kind of wrapping up Michigan. A uh, couple guys. I mean, there's not going to be really. I don't think. I mean, outside of Jalen Mayfield, there's really not going to be any first round talk in terms of Michigan guys, in my opinion. Um, so we, we, maybe Cam McGrone. Yeah. Yeah. Cam McGrone, uh, of course, Jalen Mayfield, but other than that, I don't really see like Ronnie Bell or Nico Collins really shooting up draft boards like that. No. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Let's talk Iowa, man. They got, they got some dudes. Yeah. I mean, the aforementioned Alaric Jackson, uh, I think he, he'll get better this year and he did get better over the course of the season. I know we, we really really took it to him after the Iowa game. Um, oh, yeah. We, we we collectively crapped on him for a good couple. I, and I like Alaric Jackson. He's Canadian. So I want to like his tape more than I do. Um, I just think he's okay. He's like, he's like a third-round type guy, man. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about Amir, Amir Smith-Marset. I think – that's where I was hoping you were yeah, going. Yeah, he, he was a fun player. Someone that I highlighted during the season last year. Uh, he He's fun, you know. I I think in terms of receivers for Iowa, you're not going to get someone that's going to take slants for 75 and a touchdown. But he has the talent to do so. I mean, he took a couple kick returns back last season. Um, had a couple really great catches over the shoulder catches. Uh, he can go up and get the ball. I think – that makes him, you know, a really fun receiver. Um, right now, day two, day three guy at this point. Um, I He has the talent to, to maybe make some noise, but the way that Iowa uses, utilizes the receivers, a lot of, like, comebacks, uh, hitches, you know, fades, slants. So they, they really don't get too f- sophisticated in terms of the passing game. They have a pretty vanilla offense. So I think that some of his talent won't be showcased as much um, in, in terms of some of the other receivers that have the ability to 
throw 30, 35, 40 times a game versus Iowa that typically throws 20, 25 times on a good game. But they're really trailing. It'll be 30, 35. Um, but he, he's someone that's, that's for sure going to be fun next season. Oh, yeah. Um, let me talk about Iowa's best player. I love Amir Smith-Marset. I, I, I showed some clips uh, a couple weeks back on Twitter of him just mossing folks and, and making ridiculous plays. Uh, he, he's a fun one. I, my question about him is obviously his size and his frame, because he is six foot two, but he's like 185 pounds, yeah. which is not exactly ideal. Not at all. He he's definitely going to be more of a slot weapon at the next uh, at the next uh, level, but let's talk about um, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, man. Have you watched this game? I have not watched him yet. No. Oh my God! When you do, you are in for a treat. Um, I, I I'm gonna say it. I think he can push Creed Humphrey as the the best center in the class. Well, to me, the thing was that I've seen a lot of people like say if Creed Humphrey came out last year, he would have been inside offensive lineman one, and I strongly disagree with that statement. Um, obviously, I like Cesar Ruiz, but in terms of... That was your boy. Yeah, man. but in terms of, like, consistency, and you really didn't see him on the ground. You didn't really see him get his ass whooped. You've seen Creed Humphrey get his ass whooped a few times, um, <laughs> if I'm being frank. So... I don't. I don't like. I don't like the kind of narrative that Cree Humphrey would have been automatically inside offensive lineman one because I. I don't agree with that. I think that he could have been. He still would have been a conversation, but I don't want. It's not. It wouldn't have been a foregone conclusion, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I. I believe it. I think he. I think, honestly, Cree Humphrey. He's a solid football player, and he's going to be good at the next level. But I don't think he's head and shoulders above everyone. You know, in in terms nope. of inside offensive linemen and, and center specifically, so I'm always intrigued to see. Iowa always produces really good offensive linemen. Uh, worse should have been OT one last year. I still stand by that. Um, so I'm excited to see his game. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, he just he throws people about. Um, it was our guy Matt Valdivinos that got me onto him. And it doesn't matter whether you're watching like the the broadcast film or the All Twenty Two. Uh, he, he's just throwing people. Um, and fun fact, Tyler Linderbaum's, uh, dad follows, uh, the show on Twitter. So if Tyler Linderbaum's dad wants to follow Big Shots Pod on Twitter, so should you. Um, yeah, he's, he's a really fun eval. I think he's probably, he, he, he's definitely in contention for like a first round player, which I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore, so there's no guarantee, but. If he declares, he's going early. Um, Iowa doesn't have a ton else. I will say this. I He's not draft eligible this year. But watch for uh, Tyler Goodson, the running back, man. Tyler Goodson and Tyrone Tracy Jr. were the guys that took over the bowl game for um, um, Iowa. And actually made that offense fun to watch. Because it gave them some some more dynamic playmakers. Tyler Goodson legit could be RB one for twenty twenty two, and then Tyrone Tracy is just this, like he's basically that they're like Amir Smith Marset in waiting. Pretty much, and he's even more explosive, I would argue, than uh, Amir uh, Smith Marset. 
that's that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, I think he's he's more even more explosive. Uh, he definitely has a wiggle. Uh, hops are insane. Uh, he he makes some incredible catches, some incredible plays. Um, I think that they're they have to utilize them those two guys more. Uh, I like Nicholas Regini or Regini, whatever his name was, uh, like the slot receiver. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's not explosive. <laughs> he's not like those other two guys. Uh, and they've also got Brandon Smith, who's like a, a another like similar type uh, uh, receiver, six two, two twenty, kind of their big body jump ball receiver. He's he's a fun eval as well, but he's more of like a day three type guy. For sure. Um, but I was often should be fun next year, uh, and you don't really say that too often. <laughs> if we're being honest. No, no, you don't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who will be quarterback since Nate Stanley has been there for like 18 years. Um, <laughs> right now, uh, according to ourlads.com, it's a dude named Spencer Petras. Who? Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. He's a redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 230. Yeah, so I think... Shocker, Iowa has a big-bodied quarterback as their starter. I think now it's time for the the fun time, uh, the, the resident team for the Big Shots podcast. Northwestern? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about WAP? Should I? Should you? Who, who, who should we start with here? Well, first, you got well, to fix your mic. You yeah, went really on, quiet on, there for a second. There uh, we go. Now we're good. Uh, yeah, now we're good. He was so excited to talk about to talk about WAP, ladies and gentlemen, that his mic just couldn't handle the excitement. Do you know his real name? I actually don't. I, I want you to look it up right now. <laughs> All right, hang on. I'm looking this up. WAP, fill your real name. I feel like I've searched this before. Oh. No! <laughs> it might be even better than Yo! WAP. Yo! Yo! <laughs> okay I I am at a loss for words His real name Is Mr. Elias D'Angelo Fillior And I'm not saying Mr. as in like Oh like you know if you introduced yourself As like oh I, you know if I went Oh yeah this is Mr. Jackson over here Cause he's you know Devin Jackson. No, 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 no. His real first name is Mr. That is, I thought his, I, oh my, Mr. Elias D'Angelo Fillier. What a, what a name. First round. First round. First round. In terms of, we have like a imaginary like name pool, you know, we're drafting guys by their first name. I mean, WAP has always been in there, but like his real name. Top five. Top Amazing. Five. Um, but yeah, I, I love Wap Fillier. Been on this guy since the Michigan State game last year. You and year. I were the first ones on him. You and I were the first on him. For sure. Uh, and we will stand by that. I hate being that guy, but we we, yeah. we were in fact Yeah, we, the first. we'll plant that flag. Um, yeah, I, I love Wap Fillier. Love his game. Uh, true jitterbug. Um, he can do it all, man. Uh, slot. He, he, I believe he's the leading receiver returning uh, in the conference from last year. I would I would say probably so. Uh, I mean, get with Ron, get him on your fantasy team. Yeah, with Rondell Moore going down, uh, and and Wob did go down too. He had a concussion. 
uh, that he suffered in the Penn State game, which was sad. I was already sad that um, Penix wasn't playing, and then he went down that game. That that was kind of sad too. Um, but yeah, Wafield, well, he's fun, man. He, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, in the second tier of receivers, in my opinion. Um, I think he, he's gonna really surprise some folks in terms of not only his speed but his ability to to separate. I think that's an underrated part of his game. He can really separate. Can, can make some tough catches in traffic, uh, can do a little bit of everything. So he is the guy to watch next year. Uh, right behind him is your guy, Stevie Scott. Stevie Scott the third. All right. So I've been on the Stevie Scott bandwagon for literally a year now. It was this time last year where I was watching him. And as a true freshman, he was one of the leading uh, running backs in the country. And... Um, he got off to a bit of a slow start this year. You know, Ball State, you would have thought he could have trampled them. Didn't quite happen that way. Uh, Ohio State, same thing. Not really much going for him. Then he really picked his game up. And as the uh, as the offense started getting more in a groove, Stevie Scott's numbers took off. He ended up finishing the year uh, on 200 carries. So his carries went down by 50. Uh, sorry, 180 carries. So, yeah, again, down by 50 carries from the year before. Um, his average per carry went down a little bit from 5 to 4.7. Still put up 10 touchdowns like he did as a true freshman. Uh, and he also caught 10 more passes last year. So, he got 26 catches for 211 yards and touchdown. Um, but, like like I said, if you look at his numbers from the beginning of the year, uh, I'm, just, I'm pulling them up now. My internet's a little slower today for some reason ball state was like 19 19 yards for uh for 40 uh, sorry 19 carries 48 yards uh eastern illinois 12 carries 61 ohio state six carries for nine then he started kind of getting it going after really the michigan state game was what kind of put it all together for him because rutgers 12 for 164 (laughs) Uh, Maryland, 18 for 108. Nebraska, 16 for 68. Northwestern, 26 for 116 and two scores. Like, he was a great player to have on your fantasy team. And I did last year. (laughs) Indiana was great to have players on because nobody picked them up. And, you know what? Again, one of the reasons that Indiana had a really good season last year. They went 8-4 and four, or 8-5 eight and, eight and because they lost the bowl game. He didn't play that in the bowl tra- game. That was a tragic loss, uh, by the way. I'm still hurt by that. I was so mad at that loss, man. Uh, Indiana got, got hosed by themselves losing to Tennessee. Um, yeah, they, they, just, they just collapsed on themselves. They gave up like 17 points in three minutes to lose yeah, that, that one. Rough. That angered that angered me so much. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. But like they're as not good, even our as, team, and we're like going hard for they're them. They're not even our team. We just became them. We 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 became Indiana fans watching them last year because we just the reason that de- for those that maybe weren't around while we while we were doing weekly you know uh, Big Ten games last year, Devin and I became fans of Indiana because if you wanted to watch a fun Big Ten game, it was Indiana. It was generally decided in the last two minutes. There were a lot of points, like that Maryland game. They had no business winning that game, and still did. Or the Purdue game. They, Maryland had two opportunities to live. Purdue, same thing. Like, it, every time Indiana played, you were guaranteed a fun game, and it definitely beat having to watch, like, Nebraska and Northwestern combine for six points. Yeah. Uh, 
Speaking, let's but let's talk about the best player on Indiana who's not even draft eligible. Oh, yeah. Taiwan yeah, yeah. Mullen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cousin of Trayvon Mullen and Lamar Jackson. Listen, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let's see here. There we go. Um, yeah, Taiwan Mullen, I, I. The game that made him stand out was also the Michigan State game. He went against Daryl Stewart, who took off really in those first four or five games, even Ohio State game to some degree, but then he fell off a cliff. Um like the rest like the rest so of the did team. Michigan State. Um <laughs> yeah, Taiwan Mullen, he went toe to toe with Stewart. That's when I knew he was for real. Uh he deflected a ball against Hamler, which was beautiful like a beautiful pass breakup in the end zone. And he just continued to get better and better every week. Um, he's going to be in the conversation uh, next season as one of the top DBs in the country. There are so many good DBs for next year, yeah, too. I think Man. we talked about this before. Um, but, of course, I forgot to mention Stingley. When I when I brought that up, I'm like, I didn't even think of his name. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he, he's going to be a fun watch, especially this upcoming season, next season. I'm really – I don't know if Indiana plays Minnesota, but I want to see Taiwan Mullen against Rashad Bateman. That's, that is the matchup I want to see. Uh, let me see. Let me just check the Indiana schedule. So, right now, their schedule – damn. They got a tough schedule. Holy crap. Um, so, again, it looks like Big Ten – yeah, just Big Ten schedule for them is Wisconsin, Maryland, uh, Rutgers, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Illinois, at Michigan, Indiana. So they don't face Minnesota, which is disappointing. But if they expand it into in, facing basically the rest of the conference, then, man, Rashad Bateman on. That's the stuff dreams are made of. Uh, I think Indiana's probably still going to be a decent enough team to be to be bowl eligible. Probably like seven and five again. Yeah, if they have twelve games, but if not five and four. Well, if <laughs> like not, we going Yeah, if not, maybe not. It's going to be rough. Yeah, they need they need a game against like Rutgers and, and Northwestern thrown in there. Um, I think that's kind of it for for them. I think the next one we're only talking about one player, anyways, and. Let's go to Purdue to talk about Rondell Moore. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think there's really much else no, there at Purdue. There's really, really not. Um, I think the that linebacker that we were, Marcus Bailey, I, I wish he could have played last year. Uh, he was a really fun watch before he got injured. Um, but in terms of defensively, ah, you're, you're, you're shedding thin ice. They're the Loret, yeah, Lorenzo Neal uh, yeah. Jr.? Yeah, I think that's... That's about I, it. Really. I thought their their best non draft eligible player is this kid George Carl. Oh yeah, 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 I've seen I've seen a little bit of his uh, game. Defensive end, he's like six four, two sixty five, but uh, edge rusher from right there in Purdue's backyard. Uh, so a homegrown kid. Uh, there are a lot of people that think that for like twenty twenty two, he could be like a top Maybe. fifteen player. Uh, I'll have to dive into this tape a little bit more. We'll see. Uh, I think. It, we got a lot more time on him than we do for some of these other guys. But, yeah, uh, um, we're talking basically offense with, with, with Purdue because you have Rondell Moore and you have David Bell. Listen, That's going to be a listen, very fun duo. People are asleep on David Bell. He 
he did some some Rondell Moore things last year. Like he he came on the scene as a freshman, immediately became the number one target. Um, and he he has some six two two ten. He has some games, man. He has some really good games last year. Uh, he became a fun watch. Kind of became their red zone guy too. Uh, jump ball guy, uh, kind of back shoulder fade slants. He can do a little bit of everything. So I think that duo can really thrive. Um, forget it. You, you forget they even had Bryson Hopkins. He just kind of went kind of into the shadow. <laughs> yeah, he became the third option some weeks. And that was, that was a little disappointing from a oh, draft perspective. Have, oh, they have they have Cupcake City in terms of the schedule. Holy crap. They're, all right, so obviously their conference schedule. They start with Nebraska. That's a win. Rutgers, that's a win. Illinois, that's a win. Purdue, uh, sorry, Purdue versus Michigan, that's probably Michigan. Then they get Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana. Purdue's going bowling healthy. next year. If they stay healthy. That's the big thing. If they stay healthy and they're, and they're bowl that, games. That's the big thing. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's for kind of Purdue. Look at some of the other teams. Um Oh, we we skipped oh, Wisconsin. We skipped whoops. Wisconsin entirely. Yeah, Dan Kiefer's going to yeah. absolutely hate us. So let's get through Wisconsin's uh, guys. Um, Wisconsin's interesting. They don't really have a lot of like standout players. Like, there's no Jonathan Taylor on their roster this year. I think their best overall player is probably the linebacker Jack Sanborn, and he's kind of like you know Nicole. that third Nicole. round linebacker. Linebacker, unfortunately. Yeah, like there's actually when you look at it draft wise, there's not really a lot there at uh, at Wisconsin. They've got an offensive tackle. I want to say his name's like yeah, Cole Van Lannen or something. I'm looking at him. Yeah, yeah, Van Lannen. Yeah, like there's really they've got Isaiah Loudermilk, who's kind of like a tweener defensive lineman. Eric Burel, who's a, a, a redshirt uh, senior safety, uh, kind of you know. Us undersized kind of box safety. They have, they have, they have some dudes, corners, don't they? They got uh, what's yeah, the name? yeah. They oh, they got my oh, favorite yeah. name in the entire class, and Rashad oh, Wild yeah, Goose yeah. Jr. Yeah, that, I, I don't know how I forgot a dude named Rashad Wild Goose, man. Yeah, Big, Big Ten has some. Fun I feel names, bad. Man. Oh yeah, uh, Jake oh yeah, uh, Jake Ferguson, yeah. the tight end from uh, sort of the tight end for them. Uh, we don't have to talk about Jack Cohn because he's I not good. I refuse to talk about Jack Cohn, Brandon Peters, um, any quarterback <laughs> from Northwestern not named Peyton Ramsey. I refuse to talk about any Rutgers quarterback. Those four, those are the, the ever. Four. I, I refuse to hear any Brandon Brandon Peters praise because a lot of I've seen. I didn't know that. Listen, I didn't know that existed. Say you know he has some potential. I see nothing in him. He, he, he completed like eight him. passes a game. Like he would go, he went like eight for, he went, he had a horrible pass completion percentage when they beat Wisconsin. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, Let's move on to maybe the last team with multiple draft prospects. Let's talk about Northwestern. Now listen. Listen. We have said a lot of things about Northwestern, and all of them true. Their last year was a crime against football. They were the epitome of a dumpster fire um, 
yeah, they made both of us physically ill having to watch them. They actually have some talent. Okay, let me get this out of the way and say that Rashawn Slater is a really good football player. He's their left tackle. He is absolutely going to have to play at uh, at guard um, at the next level because... So, our lads, which uses Northwestern's um, um, program info, has him listed at 6'4 and 308. ESPN has him listed at 6'3 th- and 295. He's not playing left tackle at that size. If you're listed at 6'4 by the school and 6'3 by ESPN, you're six foot two. <laughs> you are not playing left tackle at six foot two. He's gonna be playing guard or, or center at the next level. He's a really solid player. You don't find a lot of mistakes, which on a team that was just filled with just horrendous football players last year. Um He's Surprisingly, was pretty good. Um, yeah. Again, I think he's probably going to be somewhere in that like top one hundred, like late day two, early day three, type player. Uh, Peyton Ramsey. Um, listen, I really wish he would have gone anywhere other than Northwestern. I really wish he would have got it. He would have gone anywhere but Northwestern. He is going to take that starting job because uh, his competition is T.J. Green and Hunter Johnson. Yeah. Do we have to explain why Hunter Johnson was terrible again? I never want to him again, ever. And then on defense, on defense they have two linebackers. They have, they have Patty Fisher, who has been talked about for I feel like seventeen years now. Pretty much, I feel like he's been around forever. And then they've got Blake Gallagher, who I actually like better than Patty Fisher. Let me just explain why Patty Fisher, as a, as a prospect, is infuriating to me. Because he had a very good redshirt freshman year. And everyone thought that as a redshirt sophomore, he could take that next step and maybe be like Northwestern's first um, first round player since Luis Castillo in like 2006. The problem is, is that he hasn't actually improved in any season since then and has taken a step back. And I didn't even know he de- he went back to school till like midway through, I swear, like February or March last year because there was nothing about it. He was so mad that literally like not even the school did a press conference about how he was coming back. <laughs> He's the epitome of just meh. And guys like that don't get drafted high. And I still see him listed by places as like a day two linebacker. This is like a couple of years ago from Penn State when they had Jason Cabinda. Like it's that same type of linebacker. Nothing really brought to the table. He's not that good. Um, overall, I think that Northwestern will be better than last year. It's hard to be worse. Uh, Peyton Ramsey being there is better than anyone that took a snap for them last year. Granted, if you put you or me under center last year, it probably would have been better than anyone they had take a snap for them. Looking at the rest of the conference, Michigan State, as you said, there's like Antoine Simmons, the linebacker, who is ridiculously small. Uh, according to, yeah, he's, he's, he's tiny. Um, he... 
he's listed at six feet and two sixteen. That dude is probably, and that dude looks like two sixteen is being generous. That's like this dude looks on film like he's five eleven and a hundred and ninety five pounds. This dude is like an undersized safety playing middle linebacker for them. He's small. And then the rest of their team, they've got Elijah Collins, who was pretty good as a redshirt freshman this uh, yeah. this past year. It was like their one bright much, spot on um, offense. They lose pre- pretty much their top couple of receivers, Cody White, uh, Daryl Stewart, who were both dreadful. Yeah, they, both of them went un- <laughs> both undrafted were dreadful and were bad. Down the stretch. Uh, <laughs> Brian Lewerke, thank God, and everyone in East Lansing is praising the Lord that he's gone. Because um, that, whew. That was, that was rough, man. <laughs> Speaking of a derailed hype train, uh, oh, who was that that corner they had that, oh, ever, that yeah. people thought was? I know, I know you're talking about. I don't know the name. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the name anymore. He was, uh, yep. Josiah Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bad, and I think it was the Jaguars drafted him pretty early, which was um, kind of funny. Um, Maryland. They have absolutely nobody. But, 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 Shocker. but we do potentially get to see some quarterback controversy. There's a couple guys at Maryland. Oh, there are that's a couple right. guys at Maryland. That is now. right. Uh, they got, first of all, they have uh, Tua's little brother, Talia Tagavilo. Tungavilo. I always think it's Tagavilo. He transferred. Um, there was a guy that was on QB1. I'm trying to remember his name, but he played at Iowa State, I believe, and now he is at Maryland. Uh, let me look real quick. Are you talking about Lance yeah. Legendre? Yeah. yeah. He actually wasn't. He wasn't at uh, Iowa State. I'm thinking of another quarterback. Oh, is this the dude that was Georgia Tech? He committed to Kansas at first, and then he decommitted when the season started <laughs> because Kansas. Yeah. Well, it's but Kansas. then he moved to he moved to um, Maryland. So that's kind of a guy I'm rooting for in terms of kind of his story and everything. Uh, he is from New Orleans, uh, for people that, that know I love New Orleans. But he is from New Orleans. He actually went to my parents' high school. That's where he came from. Um, really talented. Uh, I think he has a chance to, to – he, he played a little bit last year too. Uh, Josh Jackson and then uh, their backup quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I don't remember what his name was. Something. Oh, oh, oh! It's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, Tyrone yeah, he, something. He was he was rough. Um, shocker. Uh, <laughs> shocker. Yeah. So. Oh wow. One of their quarterbacks retired. What's up? In the off season, oh. Tyler Desue. Oh. So yeah, Josh Jackson, uh, Tua's little brother, and then uh, Lance Gendry. Those are the the three guys. Yeah. So. Uh. I was gonna say Illinois had no no discernible players, but they they do have two. Yes, They've got Joshi Matorbebe, the man that literally jumped, literally jumped out of literally. a frame. 
Yeah, that video still gives me nightmares about how freakish that is. Uh, and then they have, uh, you know, I had to bring this back eventually. From London, from London, Ontario, Canada, Sydney Brown, the safety. He is a junior. Uh, for those who are wondering why the hell I'm talking about a junior safety from Illinois just because he's from Canada. It's not just because he's from Canada. Um, he also had three picks and I believe returned two of them for touchdowns. You always got to look out for those guys that, that can... Always got to look out. What's some other guys we didn't get to? Uh, Nebraska, they just got potentially Adrian Martinez. I think he's going to probably stay for a senior season. Uh, I, I w- he should. I wrote about him earlier this summer. I saw some things there, but then J.D. Spillman left, and that kind of crippled everything that I wrote about him. Has there been anything about where J.D. Spielman is going? Any, any update? That is still the, the like, topic of debate right now. Uh, he has no team currently. Yeah, I'm still not seeing anything, which is kind of interesting. Um... Yeah, I I don't see anything really from Nebraska. Their best player would have been J.D. Spielman. He's not there. Maybe it's like Diedrich Mills or DiCaprio Boodle. Man, that, yeah, Diedrich, some of these names Diedrich are amazing. Mills, uh, Forgot about DiCap- in my opinion, he's probably going to be a late-round pick. Um, he, he's a decent yeah. back. You know, he doesn't really jump off the page. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we kind of talked about this before, but... I know Maurice Washington has his legal issues and and things along those lines. He's not, not on the team, team anymore. anymore, but not on the team anymore. Back, I think he would have been the guy to get draft bus because he he was extremely talented. Um, when you look at some of the other guys, I mean, there's, there's really not a whole lot um, defensively. They're young. Pretty much this entire team is just young. Um, they had a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing last year. So they're they're still trying to figure themselves out. Um, try to go down some of the other teams that we didn't mention. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Well, there is one that we Minnesota. haven't left. Oh yeah, that's right, Minnesota. We've now skipped over Minnesota. I don't know how we skipped Minnesota. Okay, let's talk about a team that's probably going to be like the third or fourth best team. This is what happens when I just kind of read them alphabetically and just kind of forget which ones I've talked about. Let's talk about Minnesota, man. They're absolutely fucking loaded. Uh, Rashad Bateman, top 20 player in the class. Yep. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, probably if he were to declare, like a decent, like, early day three player. Their offensive line is a terrifying sight to behold. Because, uh, if I remember correctly, I read somewhere that they average like 6'6 six, six and 330. Uh, yeah, left tackle 6'6", six, 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 uh, six, six, 325. Um, like, I think even the guard is massive. Oh, sorry, their center. Their center 6'5", 305. That's their smallest dude. Uh, then their right side of the line is terrifying human beings because Curtis Dunlap Jr. is 6'5", 350. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Where do you find these guys? And the, you... And then, and then, of course, you can't talk about Minnesota's offensive line without talking about the gigantic human being that is Daniel uh, Daniel Falele. For those who don't know about Daniel Falele, let me let me enlighten you. He moves like someone that's like six five, three hundred pounds playing right tackle, except he's six foot nine and four hundred pounds. That shouldn't be possible. 
Uh, he has insane movement skills. I love this kid. I have him as my sixth-ranked offensive tackle, and he is my 47th overall player. He is the highest-graded player on the Minnesota team. Um, I think that a team that has a really good offensive line coach is going to coach this kid into being an absolute stud. Like, he has the movement skills of like a Jedrick, uh, like a Jedrick Wills for comparison to last year, and he mauls people like Makai Becton does. Oh yeah, it's scary. It's just a matter of of having him put it all together. Tanner Morgan at quarterback, he's listen. When we watched him live, he was infuriating last year because you had Tyler Johnson on your fantasy team. I had Rashad Bateman on mine, and it seemed like he couldn't find a way to get both of them he, the ball in the same game. The, over the course of the season, he, he certainly got better. Uh, after that, that South Dakota State scare, they pretty much took off. Um, yeah, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, I'm really hopeful he's he's like 100% healthy and ready to go this year. Uh, I think he was their best running back for the last two years, and I liked Rodney Smith last year. Uh, on defense, there's there's not a lot. I'm going to be honest. They lost a lot of their key players on defense from last year, um, including Antoine Winfield Jr., who was our guy. But the one guy that, that does stand out for me is the, the kid that... There was one game, and I can't remember who it was, like what team it was, but they were avoiding throwing to Chris Williamson or Antoine William, uh, Winfield Jr.'s way. I think it might have been Penn State. Possibly. And they just picked apart Benjamin St. Just. <laughs> they just picked him apart. And he's Canadian. And it, it, it was just sad. Um, I think that Minnesota's going to take a step back from last year. Because I think it's just going to be very hard for them to maintain that momentum. But they're yeah, still going to yeah, be really so good. Um, like, don't, in terms don't of talent, I think they good. probably have the most talent in the West Division. Um, Wisconsin's always mm-hmm. the best coach. I was right behind them in terms of best coach. They're really going to have to be physical to beat those two teams, in my opinion. Um, especially Iowa uh, in Wisconsin defensively. They have to be physical to beat those two teams and give us the dream matchup of Bateman versus Sean Wade. All right. There is one... I can't believe that we're going directly from Minnesota to this team. There's one team we haven't talked about yet. And that will continue to be that way because I'm going to tell you right now, Rutgers has absolutely nothing. We're not going to discuss them. There is not a lick of talent on this entire roster. I am curious to see how the... the, I am curious to see the quarterback battle of the century, though, between Art Sitkowski and Johnny Langan. <laughs> Why? It, I, w- I wish you guys could see the look that Devin is giving me right now. This has got PTSD, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we went really in-depth on, on the Big Ten there. We spent probably about an hour on that for today's show. As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. You can find Devin at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow the show at Big Shots Pod. 
follow uh, all of our work over at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Find them on YouTube. That's right. We now have a YouTube channel. Uh, Blue Chip Scouting on there. Uh, in terms of articles, Devin's been working on a few things, you know, uh, getting a few things out there to the masses. I just dropped a top 50 big board. Always producing content for you guys. Until next time, stay safe, wear a mask if you want college football, and we'll see you next week.